listening to a Kink in the Chain podcast. Hello and welcome to the Kink in the Chain podcast. I'm your host, Rope Squirrel, and today we have the lovely, the fabulous Ritzy. How are you doing today, Ritzy? Oh, you're so sweet. You always give the best introductions for me. Tear, tear. I'm doing well, great, by the way. Well, you're my favorite co-host. <laughs> yes, I am your favorite. Because, you know, you're so wonderful and everything else. But I'm glad you're back with us because uh, we have some interviews to do today. Are, are, are you excited? Yes, I am. Ah, all right. Well, today we have Bueller, and Bueller is a member of the Utah kink community in the Utah indie film industry. He's made over 50 short films, several of which have won awards, and he's currently making his first feature film. In his spare time, he also likes to read comic books. So how are you doing today, Bueller? Hi, I'm Bueller. I am not the favorite. You're not the favorite? Apparently, Ritzy is the favorite here. Oh, well, of my co-hosts, she's my favorite, but... Ah, and yeah, I'm good. So I hear that you're making a movie, um, some kind of Ocean's Eleven kind of thing. Anything you can tell us about it? Yeah, so the short version is Red and Black is a classy, sexy, fun glamour heist. The tradition of Ocean's Eleven, Leverage, Now You See Me, The Thomas Crown Affair, and something your audience is going to appreciate is that one of the main members of the heist crew is a femme fatale dominatrix who uses her dom side to progress the heist. That's how she contributes to the plan. So what does this... Are there twists and turns and surprise things that, uh, that the audience should be expecting or not expecting? So... Part of the goal of this movie is to be as tropey as possible, is to do all of the heist cliches and to just to, to revel in the cliches and celebrate the things that make a heist movie. And one of the things that make a heist movie is the twist and the turns. Th this movie is very much, this movie is not made for the people who say, oh, I'm so sick of the movies being like this. I want them to try to put a spin on it. This movie is made for the people who say, oh my gosh, you did the thing. This is my favorite thing to watch. And one of those things is the twists and the turns uh, and the big reveals. Very nice. And I guess, you're, so you're still at the script stage or how? where are we at in, this, in the production here? So we filmed a proof of concept short, currently editing it. Um, for anybody who doesn't know, a proof of concept short is basically, we filmed a few minutes of the movie and this is what it's going to look like and feel like. And this is... If you like this, please give us more money so we can make the rest of the movie. We are currently in the funding stage. We've got like 500 something dollars at the time of this recording in the budget. And we're launching an Indiegogo campaign throughout the month of July. Um, outside of that, we are also currently finishing the script. I'm on page 51 of 120 while also filming and fundraising and editing and all that sort of stuff. So a one-man army, basically. So I am the writer, director, producer, editor, and doing a lot of the sound work. And mostly that's because the plan was always, I wrote a cool thing, wrote one cool scene. Let's go film one cool scene. 
and then wrote another cool scene and then called my friends and let's go film this cool scene and then string it together into a feature film. And then it got bigger and bigger. We're working on setting up a car chase. We're working on doing a day trip out to Nevada to film in an actual casino. We hired an intimacy coordinator for the BDSM scenes. This is just getting a lot bigger than I expected and a lot more fun and a lot cooler. So you said your Indiegogo is launching around July um and so when when do you expect to start like principal photography and stuff like that uh we are hoping to start principal photography in june because there's a couple scenes that we can film with no budget things like the mastermind just monologuing to the audience we can film that pretty easily with no budget but outside of that we're starting up more of the bigger principal photography in august once the money comes in for the indiegogo and we can start renting out locations Honestly, that's the only thing getting in between us and filming more stuff right now is just paying the locations. You already have a pre-launch page for your Indiegogo and stuff like that? Yeah, you can find that sort of stuff at allmylinks.com slash red and black movie. Awesome. I'm sure they'll, uh, I, you know, I, I'd love to help promote it and, and get you, you know, get you a few people and get more more people aware of your project and excited about it. So Thank it sounds you. interesting. <laughs> thank you so much ritzy did you have any questions i know i've kind of taken this one over so working this grand scale i know you've done a lot of short films is it all really different for you or is it similar or is it you know i don't know what to say i don't know how to phrase this correctly <laughs> um <laughs> it's the, the same it's the same gears just more of them interlocking with each other it's the same processes just more complicated and bigger things like um we're using uh, outside locations we are um having more shoot days and having more scheduling that needs to revolve around other people there are some times when we say oh my gosh travis who plays the mark is available such and such day but scarlet who plays the femme fatale is not available. Okay, so we can't film any of the scenes where, where Travis and Scarlett are in the same room that day. Wait, could we film just one shot from that scene of just Travis's face? It's it's the same process. It's just more complicated. Well, it certainly. Uh, oh, Ritzy, I think your question would be how is um, how is doing short films different than doing a a feature length film or something like that. Yeah. So how is your current work different or similar to this giant project you were doing? There's my question. <laughs> oh, oh, yes. that, that is a great way to phrase that question. Um, I'm working with the people I love. I'm working with people I like spending time with. I've basically the entire cast and crew is people I've worked with on my previous short film work. And just we've built relationships and we like working together. And so, hey, Mitch, I want to work with you again. Let's figure out a role you can do. Um, and I've always had an emphasis on making sure everybody's having fun, on creating a, a fun, happy, safe atmosphere in my short films. And I want to carry that into the feature film. And I've always um, 
had an emphasis more on the tone and on communicating to the audience than I have on what's literally happening in universe, which helps so much for a heist movie where the tone and the fun and the class and the pizzazz and the spectacle is all there is. This movie is all style and no substance. So yeah, the, the short films have definitely been similar and preparatory here. Unfortunately, I've never done a heist movie. Unfortunately, I've never done a kinky movie because those are two things that I love and I get to smush them together. Have you learned anything new about the kink community or BDSM during this process? Oh yeah, I'm. most of the kinks that we're having in this movie. So we have an impact scene, we have a bondage scene, we have a wax scene and we have a shoe worship scene. I've only done one impact scene in my life. I've only done one bondage scene. I've only done, actually, I've never done wax play. These are not the specific kinks I'm into. And so I'm reaching out to friends who are like really into this, where this is people like, I have autistic kinky friends who like impact is their special interest sort of levels of this is what they're into and asking them, hey, what would be sexy to you? And in the process, getting to really learn why that's sexy to them. I just reached out to a bunch of friends asking about um, asking about impact. And they were talking about, okay, what I want to see, is I, I want to see the trance of play. I want to see their headspace while they're in, while they're doing impact. And I'm like, the what? This is, I did not know this was a thing and got to learn a lot more about impact in the process. Well, now I was just, I was picturing this dominatrix in my head and I didn't know if that's the same picture that you have in your head or if it was, um, if you've created somebody different than what my brain is creating. So Rouge, the character, she is a pro-dom and it's easy to think of pro-doms as the hard, borderline cruel mistress so-and-so you might find on a dungeon website I wanted to base this character more on my experience with actual doms I wanted to make her really having fun doing this um I wanted to show that she enjoys play that she enjoys the sort of play just as much as her as her clients do I want to show that she thinks of it as play and so um, it's a lot more of a fun, seductive, caring and nurturing persona almost. Um, I described I described the character to I described the character to the actress as um, with a voice like honey. It's sweet and it's slow and it's smooth and it's a trap. And the biggest inspiration here is less. Um, is less of the stereotypical latex clad with a with a whip and high heels and more of shibby specifically shibby she's a erotic hypnosis content creator who really captures this playful joyful but still very seductive goddess energy as for the wardrobe specifically we're looking more at uh, floor-length, really sexy dresses than uh, latex cat suits, mostly because the girl who crawls through vents gets the latex cat suit. Got it. 
So Bueller, you, you mentioned that you're part of the Utah community and you, you've been there for a few years. Um, I, I personally have a lot of experience with the Utah community being so close and, and I'm a member of a, actually a leather house in Utah. Oh, wonderful. Um, but I guess what experience have you had with the scene? I know like the clubhouse, that was an implosion um, and a few other yeah. things like that, but. Yeah. Um, so the funny thing is, the clubhouse imploded while I was taking a hiatus from the community. Um, for the audience who might not be familiar, we don't. Utah has a surprisingly large kink scene because of the number of formerly religious people who finally leave the religion and um, decide to swing to the other side of the pendulum. And so some of the parties here are a little bit more intense than the parties elsewhere, from what I hear. Anyway. Because of that, we don't really have many venues. We have like four total venues. Two of them got shut down in the same week. Not going to go into the drama of why, but because of that, like half of the community died in a week. And uh, we're kind of rebuilding these days. We've uh, started a bunch of new organizations that are really, really heavily focused on consent and education and stuff like that. We've started up a couple new venues. And as for me, I'm just going to munches and spending time with my friends and occasionally going to a play party. These are my friends. These are my community. And hopefully these will be my family. And so my main experience is just spending time with the people and also going to a party or two every month. Sure. It's a... Um... Yeah, there's always been a, a wonderful community out there, and, and I hear you're getting a new uh, kink convention that's going to be probably 2025. Uh, so. I'm hearing rumors about that, too. Starting here, at least. Yeah, I, I know the, the person who, who created who's doing it, so um, I, I keep in contact. I, I, I have my fingers in a lot of different communities. So. Ah, I'm I'm glad to hear that you're able, that that you get the opportunity to put your fingers in people. Oh yes, <laughs> yes, that's good times for him. Yes, it is. Honestly, I'm I'm not a community leader. I am not the sort of person who would host a venue or teach a class or whatever. I don't really want to be. I just want to be a part of the community because these are wonderful people and I don't want to spend my entire party rushing around putting out fires. I just want to like have fun talking with my friends and occasionally do a scene during the party. And there's nothing wrong with that. That is the way to go most of the time. Someone's got to do it. Well, Bueller, your project sounds very interesting. I would love to share out your link and let people uh, check out your, your Indiegogo and, you know, I wish you the best and I look forward to seeing this when it's all done. So. Thank you so much. So, do you have a little time to hang around and talk about some news of the day? I'd be happy to. So, um, my listeners, we do have an interesting one this week that has popped up uh, from a Pride event in California. Um, and, of course, this question comes up every single year. Uh, one, well, number one, is Pride good for kids? And two, is... Uh, should kink be at pride the video that is linked is is definitely a cert, is a hard answer is a hard question because i mean you know i'm kinky ritzy's kinky bueller i assume you're kinky too and yeah. 
the contents of the video doesn't necessarily offend me because you know hey it's kink it's yay i love it it's it's a typical saturday night for me to be honest with you um <laughs> but at the same time it's a pride event that is is marketed usually as a family friendly event and so i was kind of curious what your all what your thoughts were were about it um i hate to say it that i'm somewhat against the fact that that was there even though i'm in full support of the activity itself but at the same time you know i don't know pride's getting more and more sexual every year so um but i guess what what did what were your thoughts about it um so because oh well mine's really hard because i actually am a really big like i work with children so there's a limit to what you should show children especially like younger ages that are very will ask questions and sometimes parents don't believe that there's a an appropriate an inappropriate and appropriate time to discuss things like that um i was just thinking i was having a conversation with a friend's 10 year old and this little girl is like super smart and she's like oh yeah adult parties i was like what's an adult party she's like a bunch of adults get together and do adult things and i was like okay so <laughs> having to explain certain things like that to her um would be very interesting and i wouldn't know a nice way to do it until she got into the age of sexual activity and stuff so uh, yeah because i'm like i'm stuck in between it's good for education purposes but for like young kids I don't find it as appropriate. I'm just trying to figure out, like, what does this particular child think that adult things mean? Like, <laughs> that's what I, I've been. I've been mulling that around in my head too, because I didn't want to go into more detail, because then I'd have to explain things. She's like, if she starts asking me questions, and she's not my child, <laughs> so. Like, is she imagining a bunch of adults getting together and drinking? Is she imagining a bunch of adults getting together and watching the Big Bang Theory at 10 p.m. at night? Is she imagining a bunch of adults getting together and doing their taxes? Is she imagining a bunch of adults getting together and playing Dungeons and Dragons? Like, what does she think adult things mean? I'll have to ask that question and come back on next time and tell my lovely audience what she meant by that <laughs> for more clarification no mostly uh that i know this is a little bit of a sidetrack but um that is one of my favorite jokes in the lego movie because the entire movie is from the point of view of a child who's playing around with these toys and controlling the world and it's like okay but what do adults do what what do adults do when I'm at school or when I go to bed at eight? What TV shows are they watching? Um, honey, where are my pants? That must be the sort of crash TV show my parents were talking about. But like, back to the kink of pride thing, it feels weird to see. Okay, the discourse that I keep seeing about kink of pride is we don't mean doing scenes in public. That's not what we've ever meant. It's to be pretty obvious that that's not what we've meant. We meant being ourselves in public. Maybe wearing collars or harnesses. Maybe, um, maybe acknowledging each other by honorifics or maybe wearing our master's cap. But like, 
nobody was ever talking about doing a flogging scene or doing anal in the pride parade. And oh look, there's there's a flogging scene in a pride parade. Whoops. Yeah, and and it's been. I, full disclosure. I mean, I I usually march in pride every year, and we I know we don our leather and we walk, um, but we just walk. I mean, we have people. It, it's hard because then we got people in you know pup gear and they're you know they're in their, they're they got their pup heads on, but I don't in, inherently think of that as sexual. I mean, I think a kid would more think of it's you know dress up or, um, you know something like that. But then you get this, and there's really I can't really. I, I can't excuse it. I can't think of any reason that I, that, I mean, it, it does start a conversation, I suppose, with a child, but. I also needed to know if they're, because I don't know about Californians uh, pride parades, if they it put an age limit on the parade, they're like, this is going to be having like 18 and above, or if they say it's open for everybody. It was open for everyone. Anyone, okay. it's a public street. So yeah, I'm still. I I also support pride. Pride. I support the leather community, but I also support children, and we have a lot of issues with children and bad people. And yeah, I mean, I don't expect we're going to solve this issue today, but it was certainly just something that popped up. That some years I'm like, okay, it's all right. You know, you got. People in assless chaps twerking on a float. Okay, I mean, we're we're pushing it here, but this was like I couldn't couldn't. But they're still covered. Like they're still street appropriate, um, even in assless chaps. Which it um, is ironic because when you say chaps, they're already we we call them assless chaps, but they're already assless, so the chaps are assless by default. <laughs> I don't know why we say it that way, but oh, um, perhaps it's because of the assonance, um. It's it's like alliteration, but with the vowels instead of with the consonants. Um, assless chaps, it just sounds good. Yeah. Sorry, I'm a word nerd. <laughs> it's great. You are fine. That's good. That, there's my guess. I just... What? I want kink to be very, very publicly accepted. I I want people to be okay being themselves and to not feel shame. I, I, I know I've felt years of shame over my kinks and I want people to not feel that too and now that I don't feel shame over my kinks I want to be I want to feel seen and heard and accepted I just also recognize that like hey you didn't consent to that and so I will not be publicly kinky unless you actively consent to it and then just the weird fine lines and the gray areas that happen when um, my last dynamic was a 24-7 TPE dynamic. Because of that, like, me driving my partner to work was an act of submission and service and therefore kink. And like, hey, the people around me on the road can't revoke consent to that. Or dropping off her books at the library. The people at the library can't revoke consent to me doing that act. But I can say I'm dropping it off for my partner, not for my mistress. Yeah. And so I guess honestly that's a big reason why I'm why I'm making this movie in the way that I am is because I want Kink to be seen as something that's beautiful and intimate and loving and wonderful and 
I don't want it to be seen as something that's shocking or scandalous or weird. And so my biggest concern here is consent and PR, I guess you could say. Because like, uh, Ritzy, I, I was a piano teacher for five years. Talking to kids and explaining things to kids was my job. And like explaining really complex music theory topics was my job. And so I fully recognize there are people who don't know how to explain these things to their kids. And there are some people who do. And there are some people who know how, th there are some people who can say, oh, this is how you explain it. I don't know, maybe, um, yeah, you know how the boys, in, the boys in the play yard really enjoy wrestling and hitting each other? Some adults really enjoy hitting each other for fun. Now, when, when adults hit each other, they ask permission first and they make sure that, that everybody involved wants to be hit. But yeah, some adults just like hitting each other. That's just spitballing. <laughs> I mean, it's a valid, it's a valid way to explain it. But as I said, we're not gonna we're not gonna solve this conundrum today. But it was certainly just you know it is worth talking about that uh, because it was in the news as of last week. So <laughs> yeah, mostly I just I don't want to feel like kink is something that we need to apologize for. I've certainly felt like that for years, and it and it sucks. And I want to be more open about it, but but like I also recognize there are ways to be kinky that are disrespectful to the people around you. I'm not sure where the line is here. And also, this is not, this is kind of I should shut up. <laughs> That's how I felt too. I was like, oh, I really shouldn't talk more about this because then we're gonna go down a rabbit hole of all sorts of things. This is California. This is their pride parade. I have, I have not been to California in like 10 years. Maybe there is nuance and context that I'm missing here. Yeah, I, I don't know how this would fly like going down, you know, uh, Salt Lake City's pride parade. <laughs> oh, it oh. would fly. It would fly right to jail. And then Florida, you know, if you were down there, that's a completely different story. So Colorado, I don't know. I, I could actually see it being okay here. I was surprised. I, I went to my first Pride Parade last week. Um, and I was surprised to see how sexual it was. Um, right. There were a significant amount of, there was, there were a significant amount of AFAB people walking down the street who were topless except for like nipple pasties. Just, I was surprised. Yeah. Uh, well, actually, are you guys in this con uh, judicial district? Can't remember because they a judge ruled that the toplessness is not a crime. Oh, so like we have a city in Colorado um, where they, I mean they do a topless bike ride. Um, it, it it basically the definition is depends on what the intent is. If the intent is to sexually arouse, you know, if you're walking up somebody and shaking something in someone's face, you know, like uh, that kind of thing, that's one thing. But if you're just walking around normally, that's it's not. So it, it was definitely a shock when I saw that the first time because you know, I was just not expecting it. But now it's just I, honestly, it, it's kind of just passe. I mean, not to say that you go to the mall and there's a bunch of people walking around topless. The individual businesses can, of course, dictate how they want, but it's not a crime. So, Are you saying no shirt, no shoes, no service? Um, well, no shoes, no service anyway. So 
they can they can dictate that but it just depends on the the business can can say that they want that but you know you go to you go to our beach and you could you, it's possible or you go to the boulder canyon river and there's a it, it's quite common actually so just, uh, interesting little little tidbits so but All anyway right. But anyway, we'll we'll move on from this because otherwise we'll be here for a while. <laughs> right, it's a true statement. So let's get to the viewer questions. Our first one is from Melissa in Colorado. Hey, Colorado. Um, I've heard the term aftercare being mentioned in discussions about BDSM. Can you explain what the what aftercare entails and why it's considered to be an important aspect of the BDSM community? So aftercare varies from player to player. Uh, usually with aftercare, it usually is discussed before the scene happens of what you need afterwards. After the scene, you give the aftercare, and that's usually to help with any kind of emotional stuff later on. Um, in some scenes, I do a really light, fluffy scene sometimes, and people don't need aftercare, and I know they'll be okay the next day, still check in and stuff, but some people have really intense scenes and just need to be cuddled, held, um, emotional things might have happened during the scene, and they need that support. Some people just like to have that connection afterwards, and so they cuddle and take care of each other. Some people check in for food and water as well, because your sugar might be dropping, or you need that water because the scene dehydrated you. So there's a lot of different aspects to aftercare. It's not just like, here's your answer to me. Um, there's a lot to it, different points. For sure. And different people have different levels of aftercare needs. You can have one person like myself. I don't usually need aftercare. It's very rare. There's only certain types of scenes that I do. But you've got others that you tickle them with a feather and they are, they're dropping for the next four days afterward. And um, a lot of why it's important is because what we do is think of it somewhat like a pendulum. We're taking all your endorphins, your endocannabinoids, all those chemicals that are in your lovely brain, and we are knocking them way out of whack. So imagine we're swinging the pendulum, pendulum all the way one direction. Well, it's got to come back. It needs to get to the center, but it's not going to just come back to the center and stop. It's going to come back and swing the other way. So you're going to have this intense high and this intense low for lack of a better word and having somebody there to, who was part of that who knows what you're going through who was necessarily responsible for doing it uh, being able to tell you hey um if everything's okay you're going to be all right you know take a deep breath uh and even tops i mean you you've got some tops where like in some cases i have to become an utter monster when i'm doing a topping scene and I feel awful afterward, like, oh, my God, I just did some horrible things to that person. So being able to have somebody say, no, 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 I enjoyed it very much. It was a great time. Otherwise, I go around feeling just like awful, like I'm, I'm a monster. What, what have I done? So it's very important to get everybody back to the center and to be back to, to normal so that they can function in life. Um, well, I also wanted to know if our guest did any aftercare after his scenes because i know you're you're you don't have that much experience as we do but i'm just wondering if you had aftercare after your scenes or if it was just done i've had scenes that aftercare and it just freaking sucked afterward i felt terrible about who i was like i felt sick to my stomach and i went to another friend and said hey 
I just had a scene and the person didn't give me, can you give me some aftercare? And we discussed what, what I needed. Um, last weekend I was at a party and we were negotiating aftercare for a scene and it was, what do you need? Okay. I need to feel this and remember this and believe that here are the goals that I need to reach. Let's talk about how to get there. That's that's good aftercare. Yeah. And it really worked. So for my scenes, because um, I don't really do intense scenes, most of the time my bottom's just like, okay, I'm good. I don't need aftercare. And they'll just clean the scene. And so I don't have to clean the scene. That's aftercare for me. If I don't have to clean up my mess... (laughs) <laughs> <I'm good. laughs> uh, uh, but I've learned that at cons though I actually have to start incorporating aftercare after a com- convention because I get a little pra- play crazy and I'll do scene after scene after scene after scene and I won't give myself aftercare or won't give the people aftercare um, because usually they're pretty good afterwards and they're ready to jump into their next scene and then I realized at the end, I'm like drained and I need that connection. I need that like, oh man, what did I just do to myself? I'm the worst person ever. I just, did I mess up my all my scenes? And yeah, I have that kind of thing that happened to you where I just doubting myself and doubting things that were going on. So yeah. And like cosplayers who go to Comic-Con already talk about uh, con drop. I don't remember the, the word they use for it. But like, I just did three intense days at a con. And this is just a comic con they're talking about. I can't imagine doing like five, eight, 11 scenes in a weekend and having a convention. Gosh, that must be an intense drop. Oh yeah, it is. It is right afterwards. Because I've had con drop where I go to the anime conventions and comic con too. And I'm just exhausted afterwards. I'm like, whoa, that was, I drained uh, yeah, I'm pretty much drained the next day. And sometimes I forget to take that day off of work and I go to work drained. And I'm like, how am I going to teach these children anything today? <laughs> yeah. Um, along the lines of what, what you were talking about. So one of the scenes that we were negotiating last weekend was an erotic hypnosis scene. Um, this is my first kink. This is my favorite kink. This is the kink from which everything, this is the fount from which everything else spewed forth. Um, and one of the people at the party is learning how to do it. And I offered to bottom for it. And I told them, hey, this is something that I do like twice a week by myself for fun. I've got to the point where I don't really need aftercare for the scene itself I know how to get in and out like crazy there is an entire genre within that kink of going in and out really really fast called fractionation like I know how to do that what I need is a reminder that this is not the start of the dynamic and this is pickup play and so I don't get obsessed with you I like it Our next question is Emily from New York, and they write, I've always been curious about the psychological aspects of BDSM. Can you shed some light on the role of dominance and submission in BDSM dynamics and how it can enhance intimacy and connection between partners? Um, I like to think that kinksters, like a lot of of people, when they've done um, psychology studies with kinksters versus vanillas, uh, they've always found that um, kinksters generally communicate more. We're always talking. We're always getting consent. We're always t- 
trying to figure out how the other one's going to feel about either an activity or whatever versus vanillas tend to just kind of bottle everything up and be two slightly mostly isolated people with a slight overlap um, so when you have a ds dynamic you're basically laying all of your needs right there on the table you're laying you know i need this this and this to be submissive so that i can let go first and the top the the master top mistress whatever it is is, is like well i need these 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 this 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 so that we you can submit to me these are what i need and that's not something we normally do in a vanilla vanilla relationship it's kind of more nebulous of like you know i need you to be faithful to me but then after that it's kind of like i don't know what we're gonna do this is this is why okay so i've sometimes said that like every that every couple should learn about bdsm even if they don't do bdsm for the sake of the communication and the respect and the consent and the negotiations and the discussions and the boundaries and the um creating space where the other person feels safe to say no and where and where the other person feels like if they say no that no will be respected and all of that stuff combined this is why i think superman came out as public like was canonically confirmed to be kinky a couple months ago because of course the big blue boy scout who has a heart of gold and stands for truth justice and a better tomorrow wants to have a good relationship with Lois Lane. And so, of course, in the bedroom, it's going to be honest discussions of what they want and being able to explore those things safely with no shame. Oh, for anybody wondering, that Superman comic was Action Comics 1051 from January of 2023. Um, but moving on from Superman, I'm a sub. I'm a sub because I was raised in a religion that emphasizes um, that emphasizes service and obedience and submission and kindness and making other people's lives better. Submission is the fullest expression of the best version of myself. It's the way that I live with the most love and the most joy and the most peace. If I have a dynamic with somebody, yeah, we can have a wonderful dynamic. If I have a dynamic with I am a sub. I get to spend that dynamic making my partner's life better and showing my partner love and really, really focusing on my partner's needs. It enhances the intimacy and connection between partners, the way that Emily phrased it, in a way that no vanilla dynamic ever will. And when somebody's dominating me, I get to feel peace. I get to feel like everything's okay and I don't need to worry about it. And I can. I don't get to feel that in any other dynamic. And that really helps to helps me feel closer to my partner that this is why in that scene last weekend I, I, I had to bring up, hey, I need to feel I need to feel like this is just a scene, not the start of a dynamic, because getting to do scenes at all is an incredible way for me to show love and for me to feel taken care of and I don't know what could what could add to the intimacy or connection more. Yeah. It's certainly the one of the better, I think it's it's a better relationship style and so much better than than I mean I've had friends who've commented on, you know, oh my God, you guys talk about that kind of stuff. I'm like, yeah. Um, my partner and I, granted it's a more of a vanilla app, but we use an app called Paired. And uh what it does, it, and I'll, I'll put a link in the 
in in the article here for it but every single day it prompts us with a question um usually a hard question about one another and the gimmick is that you don't get to see the other person's answer until you answer it yourself so you don't just get to you, you have to kind of answer it and and blind because you won't know what they're going to say and sometimes it's surprising uh, but the fact that I, I don't necessarily consider it to be the end-all be-all of of doing anything for our relationship but it, it certainly enhances it because we're already pretty open and communicative and a lot of the things that asked we're just like oh yeah i already know the answer to that but i'm sure for some couples they'd be like hmm, i never thought about that or um like for example let's see today's question uh what would be the most effective way for your partner to initiate sex and why i mean simple simple question or yesterday's describe your partner's body language when they're angry or frustrated you know these are these are simple questions but as a couple we may may have not have thought of thought to ask that and it, it's a great way of engaging so having a ds relationship is really very similar to that where you're you're literally laying your needs on the table putting all your cards on the table and this and deciding how this is going to go and if it's not going the way you want you can change it but a lot of vanilla couples just break up and that's it like you said none of us are going to pretend that kink is the only thing that's going to make the relationship work but like it sure is a pretty big thing that's going to do a lot that 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 does a lot for for a lot of people at least it's it's not the only rock you need to fill a jar but it's a pretty darn big rock yeah well emily i hope that that helps let's get to rachel our final question comes to us from rachel in texas and they write, as someone who identifies as a switch, I'm curious about the unique dynamics that emerge when two switches engage in BDSM activities. What are some common experiences, challenges, or negotiation strategies that switches encounter in order to navigate their shared power dynamics effectively? Hmm, switching. Fun time, Ritzy. Oh, this is your area of expertise since you are more of a switch than I am. But I remember um, in some of my roles we do like switch fights where we will switch in the middle of the scene between top and bottom top and bottom and um so we either we have a timer going or something every five minutes or like two minutes and it just keeps it entertaining and that it really comes down to your dynamic and what you've communicated ahead of time of here are the rules and the things that we need to follow um and you always make sure you know what the person likes don't likes and what their reds are, greens are, things like that. Why does this sound like speed chess? It is. It's so close to it. <laughs> it it is a really fun activity, and I love doing it. And it's I've done it multiple times with multiple partners, and it keeps things really interesting. I think the other thing to mention, of course, with switching specifically, because yes, that would be more my my world. Um, the the one of the important things, and I always joke about, it, is make sure you negotiate who is doing what, not just what is being done, because it's only happened once, but once is more than enough. Where we've negotiated what's going to happen, and then we get into the scene, and we both start getting undressed, and then we look at each other like, "Wait, I thought I was bottoming," and we're just sitting there like. <laughs> it's like oh 
I, I thought, oh, okay. Um, so then we sit and go, oh yeah, we never actually talked about that because we both wanted to bottom. Um, or some of the other issues that arise, you know, you start being a switch, it's convenient where I can might be starting a scene and I'm just like, oh, you know, I'm not really feeling this. Uh, like, I, I can't do this. But the other person happens to have a little bit of, of energy left in the tank and they go, you know what, let's just flip switch roles and we'll do the thing. And I've done that before where it's like, I thought I was going to be, I was going to tie someone up and beat them and said, I get tied up and beaten. So it's a, it's a wonderful world, but the negotiation strategies, you definitely need to be a little more um, specific, I guess, with the actual scene. And you also need to negotiate aftercare, which could also include another scene. So you're, you're at the end of a scene, you could say, well, now I want, you to top me or me to top you whatever the whatever the opposite would be so it's definitely uh something that may not happen in a normal ds dynamic you always have a one-way you always have a two-way transmission of energy but you always have a one-way dynamic a top and a bottom and here that could change suddenly so you may have to pack i always joke that when i'm packing for a convention which is what i'm doing right now um well not right now but i'm doing it uh, I always have to pack at, for it as a top and I always, always have to pack as a bottom. So I have to bring basically two sets of toys because I have different things that I want to do. And that, that's a, basically it. Anything else you, either of you two want to add? I mean, it's a very bratty approach to, um, to a switch dynamic. And I do not pretend that this is best for everyone, but I figure at least Ritzy would find this interesting. Um, there is a very small, subgenre within uh hypno kink of hypno dueling where both partners want to top but are also okay with bottoming but would prefer to top and so it's okay let's see who wins which of us can put the other in trance first whoever wins gets to top yeah that sounds so much fun it's like the most bratty approach to switching i can imagine but it's incredibly effective because, like, yeah, once the other person is entranced, then the scene just continues. Like, it's it's not like, oh, now I get to top on a different scene. No, just, okay, the bowling pin has fallen over to one side. Now we can just continue the scene. And also, somebody's only going to be hypnotized if they want to be hypnotized. So it shows which of the two wanted to bottom more, I guess. It's also really hot. It turns the negotiations of who's going to top and who's going to bottom into a scene and a really hot scene at that. That sounds like my type of scene. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So with switching, though, with the dynamic, you've got to be careful, though, because um, especially if a person says they're a switch, um, like I will say that sometimes, but truly I fall for the more dominant side of things. Um, I top a lot more than I bottom for. And if there's no balance in a switch relationship, um, that could also cause a problem if you have a very strong dominant person, because then you would be bottoming a lot more if you were like in a situation with me. Um, And that can actually cause breakdowns in the relationship or like feeling like you're not getting all of your needs met if you're in a relationship where you get to play with other people it actually fulfills that need uh but if you're just one-on-one in a solid relationship it's slightly different and can come into those hard points if there's not a very good balance between the two so that's just something to look 
at when you're thinking about relationships and connections um, in a switch dynamic. Sorry to bring that conversation down. That's fine. <laughs> no, no, that's a great point. I've felt exactly the same thing before. Well, Rachel, I hope that answers your question. And let's, uh, I appreciate all you two's insights and thank you very much. And uh, Will Bueller, it's been great having you on the show. I, I'm wishing you best of luck on your film and your Indiegogo campaign and everything else. Um, so thank you very much for being here. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Seriously. Yep. Thank you all for joining us. And as always, stay kinky, my friends. Check us out on the web at Follow us on Twitter at KinkJaneShow. We don't bite unless you ask nice. Have feedback or want to submit a question for a future show? Send your emails to podcast at kinkinthechain.com.